heart to come and take his liberty and follow the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. 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 I believe that there is healing here tonight. Man, because because Jesus is here. I believe there's there's deliverance here because Jesus is here. Man, I believe there's strength, there's peace, there's hope, there's love, there's joy. I believe that there's whatever you need here tonight because Jesus is here. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. I I would not want to be here if he wasn't here. It would be pretty pointless. <laughs> I really do. I, I really feel the touch of the Holy Ghost tonight. And just even as Brother Tim, I feel like I'm off center. Even as Brother Tim was speaking, I just felt the Lord just moving on me and what seemed like maybe a simple testimony from him um, just bore witness with me. So thank you, Brother brother Tim, for that. Just stirred my faith. Amen. I want God to continue doing things in me too. I don't want to put a limit or a cap on what he can do. And because um, I know there's so much more. Uh I feel like I want to go a little bit more into, I, I mentioned briefly on, on Sunday, kind of a moment of, of exhortation uh, when I was supposed to be taking the offering. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take maybe just a few more minutes talking along those lines tonight. But I think about Jesus, the Lord, as he's been dealing with me about this, brought me to the story of Jesus when he is... The Bible says that he was led by the Spirit, and he was, he was full of the Holy Ghost, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into this, this place where we know a wilderness kind of represents a place where there's nothing. It's a, it's a place where nothing grows, nothing lives, and oftentimes, as we see in Scripture, it's a place of dying, of dying to ourself, and even Jesus being fully God, he was also fully man, and so he also had to go through that dying process before he got to the cross. He was dead to himself much sooner than he got on that cross. Otherwise, he would have never hung there for us. And I, I find it interesting, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then, and this is in Luke 4, a few verses later, Luke 4 and verse 14, after he's tempted of the devil and goes through, goes through those 40 days without eating, 40 days of hungering. <laughs> Bible says afterwards he was in hungered. Um, and then you see verse 14, but he, he conquers the temptations of the enemy. He comes out in victory. He comes out in authority and Verse 14 says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He went, in just, he went in full of the Holy Ghost. Now he's coming out in the power of the Holy Ghost, in the power of the Spirit. And verse 19, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And they, they brought him the scroll, the book of Isaiah. And he found the place in that book, in that scroll. He found the place where it was written, a place that was speaking of himself. And little did the people know that the one that the scripture was written about was standing in front of them that day, about to declare a fulfilled and and established word of God. And verse 14, Jesus speaking here again, just coming out of the wilderness, just going through that, that experience. He comes here and, and reads and says, and this is as it says in Isaiah, he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he hath anointed me. And then this is, these are the things that he's been anointed for. And we're not just anointed to be told that, man, you're anointed. <laughs> we hear that a lot. You know, you're an anointed singer. You're an anointed preacher. And sometimes, forgive me for my attitude, <laughs> but sometimes when I hear that I want to, especially when it's told to me, I want to just sometimes say big whoop. <laughs> and again, I said, forgive me for my attitude, but because I don't, I don't really care about being anointed for the sake of being anointed and people saying, oh, you're anointed. If the things that I'm anointed for aren't happening, if, if what I'm anointed for, I'm not doing. And so Jesus, he's reading here and he tells us probably one of the best definitions of what ministry and being anointed for is in, in all of scripture. He says he's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Man, you'll recognize and realize he speaks about healing, he speaks about recovering of sight. But each of these things, I, I believe, they, they represent, no doubt, natural and physical things because we see him heal blinded eyes. We see him heal people that are broken and hurting. But these more so represent spiritual things. They represent spiritual healing and transformation, deliverance that God wants to, to bring to people. And so I, the, the way I kind of see this is for Jesus that something... Something changed in the wilderness. He went in full of the Holy Ghost and with the Holy Ghost in him. And he didn't come out with more Holy Ghost, right? He didn't, he didn't get a, a bigger dosage, but he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. And so what I believe in the way I see that is he came out now instead of just having the Holy Ghost in him, he came out allowing the Holy Ghost to have him because he had died to himself. He put himself and his cares, his, his life in the background and said, I'm anointed. I'm the anointed one. <laughs> I'm the Christ, but it's not for my own gain. It's not for my own glory. It's, it's for these things that we just read. Um, and so then we see that. We see him in his ministry do just that, bring the gospel to the poor, bring healing to brokenhearted, amen, and I, I you know, th- these are things that us and our ministry should do, but also we can look at ourselves and know that this was each of us at one point. We were the poor. We were the brokenhearted, right? We were the ones that were captive, that were blinded, that were bruised that the Lord had to come and set at liberty, that he had to come and bring sight to. And I'm thankful today for, for each of us that are here that that's, that's happened for. But I believe there's, there's more as well. Uh, Matthew, or sorry, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. I want to just quickly read the story of, of Bartimaeus that I mentioned on Sunday, Mark 10 and 46. So you guys know I wasn't making this up. <laughs> so Jesus and I believe it was Jesus and his disciples, at least Jesus and someone else, they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, yeah, there it is. And a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus. I, I still find that so amazing that the Bible describes him as that. It didn't say Bartimaeus who was blind. It says blind Bartimaeus. And I, I kind of see that in a lot of ways as, as being part of his identity. That's, how, that's who he was. That's no pun intended, but that's how he saw himself was as blind Bartimaeus. 
Because he just knew, this is who I am. I'm the guy that sits on the side of the road that hears the crowds, that hears the noise, that, you know, I, I don't really, there's nothing much exciting going on in my life. I'm just a wayside person. And he sat there on the wayside um, by the highway side begging. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. So again, this tells us he, because he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Jesus of Nazareth. Because he heard that, it, it tells us that he'd heard some other things about this Jesus that he'd done. Because when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I don't think he said that just one time. I, I, well, it goes on to say, actually, in, in verse 48, many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more a great deal. Thou son of David, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Again, a blind man on the side of the road, not, not seeing anything going on in front of him, but just knowing that there's a group of people coming by, knowing that there's crowds in front of him, and being told, too, because the people beside him are embarrassed <laughs> that he's making a ruckus, causing a scene, being told to be quiet, hold his peace, he decided, you know what, this opportunity may never pass me by again. And I, sure, I know I, I, I can't see today, and I might not see tomorrow, so I'm not going to lose anything by asking this one that I've heard can open blighted eyes. I'm not going to lose anything crying out for him to have mercy on me. And verse 49, Jesus stood still. Amen. Jesus responds to our cry. He responds to our faith in him. And he stood still and he commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him. And I, I can just imagine the people now, the same ones who were saying, hey, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Are the same ones that Jesus says, hey, you call him over here. I, I want to talk to that guy. And they got to be just. I was such a fool, <laughs> right? And then they go get the guy who was causing a scene, and hopefully, hopefully that day they learned the lesson to not hold their peace if they had a need to not be quiet when the one who can meet it is passing by. Because Bartimaeus, because of his cry, he, Jesus came to him and, and he says unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he calleth thee. Uh, verse 50, and this is what I mentioned on Sunday that's, that's just stood out to me for the last couple of weeks. Speaking of Bartimaeus, it says, He, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Before, again, before he could see the one in front of him. Before anything happened to him except for this man telling some people to get him and tell him to come over here. He gets up, throws off his garment, and goes to Jesus. And Jesus answers and says to him, What wilt thou that I should do to thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And he, changed, he, had a, he not only had a miracle that day in, in that his natural physical eyes were opened, but he had a miracle because he had a, a course correction. He was, on one, he was on a path and it was not really going anywhere. <laughs> Because he was just on the side of the path. He was just on the wayside, on the side of the road, hearing other people go by, hearing the traffic, hearing the crowds. But that day he was set on the way. He was set on the path, the course 
that leads to life and, and relief to lead to much more than just his eyes being open. And as the Lord's been dealing with me about this, and I won't take the time tonight because there's so many, so many things and places in Scripture, but he's just been dealing with me about the things that we put on in Scripture, the, the things that Scripture talks about us putting on. And, you know, we put on righteousness. We put on humility. Uh, we, we, we put on Christ. We put on a new man. And what I found interesting is a pattern that I began to see in looking at these scriptures is with so many of them where it was talking about putting on this thing, putting on this thing. In that same context, it talked about putting off something else. When it talks about putting on humility, it talks about casting off your cares. When it talks about putting on, or there's another one I didn't mention, is putting on the armor of light. It talks about casting off the works of darkness. When it speaks of putting on Jesus, it, it talks again about putting off the works of darkness. And again, put, put on immortality. You first must put off corruption. And so I, what I feel like that the Lord has been speaking to me and I feel like is for, for at least one person here today, maybe more than one, is that I, we, we all know, I, I think at least, we all know that God is, is able to heal. Jesus is able to deliver. He's able to set free. He's able to heal your mind, to heal your body, to heal your situation. Not just somebody else's, but yours. And he wants to do that as well. Not only is he able, but it's in his nature. It's in his, it's in his, his character to do that for you, to set you free, to heal your mind, to heal your body. And... What I, what I believe, though, is that in so many ways that God is restricted by us in what we hold on to and what we're not willing to put off. Because if I, and again, I know it's, an, it's a, a story, and I'm not trying to add into the story, the story there of, of Bartimaeus, but I, I see it as being so just, I guess, symbolic of his expectation of the Lord and him getting up and casting off that garment, knowing that he was just a man who was a beggar and a man who was poor. He was, he was the poor man that Jesus came to preach the gospel unto, and he was also the blind man that Jesus came to, to open his eyes. And, and he, he knew that he, he was in a state of need and... I don't know, I don't really know what all he expected. We know by, by his ask of the Lord, when the Lord tells him, what do you want from me, that he says that I might see, that you might open my eyes, that that was at least one thing. But I, I just wonder, kind of looking a little bit between the lines of, of him continuing with the Lord in the way, what all that he was that what all he walked into in his life that he didn't even expect that day because Bartimaeus very well could have had his eyes opened and stayed there on the side of the road he very well could have been healed but not had a course correction he could have been healed but not taken off any of his old ways and still been there on the wayside as a beggar, poor and broken internally, spiritually, because he came in contact with the way and the truth and the life. But if he would have just been content with his healing, then he would have still died blinded. He would have still died without really having life. And... I want to I want to look at one other passage here in, in Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 4. There's kind of a bunch of verses here, so I'll read them quickly. But Ephesians 4, verse 17. And it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of, watch this, because of the blindness of their heart. I believe that that's the, that's the real blindness Jesus wants to heal. That's the real blindness that the anointing is, is come to, to take off. Because of the blindness of their heart, verse 19, who, pe- who being past feeling or being calloused, being hardened, they've given themselves over to lascivious, lasciviousness. A lot of tongue twisters tonight. Sim- more simply put, that means an unbridled lust. A, a, just a carnal desire that is let free to go and do whatever it wants to. They were past feeling and given over to that type of lust to work all unclean, uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. And if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. Now watch this. Something that we need to put off. That you put off concerning the former conversation or the former manner of life the former conduct the former behavior the former lifestyle the former habits the former things that you enjoyed put off those former things which is also described as the old man which is corrupt, which is useless, it's dead, it's empty, it's corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on. Now, I'm thankful that when we take things off, when we cast things on him, he doesn't leave us just there naked and empty. But he gives us things to put on. He covers us with a new man. He covers us with his nature. Because it's his desire that we put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then it continues and talks about more things that we ought to put off and put away, like lying and all these other things. Just just one other thing I, I will mention, well, actually one other verse real, real quickly, Romans 13, verse 14. It's along the same lines, and it says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but if I have the option to put on Joel, <laughs> if I get up in the morning and I go to my closet, and I have the option to put on Joel Hart... <laughs> Or Jesus Christ. That's kind of like choosing between an Old Navy shirt (laughs) and a Louis Vuitton shirt. (laughs) You would just be foolish, right, to pick the Old Navy shirt that costs $5 when you know next to it is a shirt that has some ungodly price tag on it. (laughs) And, of course, the Lord. I know that's a silly example but I think, really, as, as Elder talked about Sunday, the, the daily aspect of daily relationship, of daily walk, of, of our daily bread, this is also a daily decision that we have to make. Just 
it might, and it might seem silly, but I think the Lord gives us these simple examples for a reason in Scripture of what we put on. Because just as you get up every single morning and you decide, okay, I'm going to put on these black pants, I'm going to put on this turtleneck and this jacket, we have to make the same conscious decision to get up and put on Christ. To get up and say, Lord, today I, I could live in the course and the path of the lust of my flesh. I could live just a lazy life that's unbridled, that's on the wayside, that's that's a seed in a place that's not going to grow. Or I could get up and choose, God, I'm going to get up again today, put on Christ, and get on that path of righteousness again. I don't know where it's going to lead today. I have to have faith for every single step that, that I'm going to take in it today. But I know that if I've put you on, if I have you, if I have your word, it's going to lead me. It's going to guide me. It's going to direct me. And did I, I don't think I finished reading that. Put, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's two part. And make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. That means I can't get away from the picture of, of, the, of the closet. Because that means when you get up in the morning, there shouldn't be two choices. <laughs> there shouldn't be the Old Navy t-shirt and the Louis Vuitton shirt. <laughs> there should only be Jesus Christ. Because if you have two options, that means you've made a provision for the flesh <laughs> to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust thereof. Because you get up and you know, I've always got a plan B. I've always got something to fall back on if this whole Jesus thing, if this whole path of righteousness doesn't work out. There's always another garment that I can put on. But that's us choosing to go back into darkness. Choosing to, that's us choosing to put our hand over our eyes and say, all right, I'm going to just do this my own way. Because if we're not putting on Jesus, we have no light. And the last, I, I, won't, I won't read it for sake of time, but the last thing that, that I think of is, is a man who was very bound. He was very, very oppressed in his mind and in his spirit. He was, he was an outcast of the city that he was previously it would seem a resident of and he was such an outcast that he lived in the tombs he lived in the town cemetery because of how possessed this man was because of how many devils he had that he was fighting with he lived among the tombs among the dead but one day Jesus came paddling in a boat across the shore. And I, I've always thought this was interesting that they had a dock right there on, <laughs> on the shore. Or maybe it wasn't a dock. Maybe just pulled up on the beach. I don't know. But right there at that cemetery, right there at those tombs. And this man, so full of, of devils, so full of spirits that that sometimes it seemed he couldn't control, that they caused him to cut himself with the stones and people tried to bind him with, with ropes and he would break out of them and was just a maniac of, of, of maniacs or demoniac. <laughs> but Jesus pulls up and this man in complete control runs up to Jesus and begins, falls on his knees, falls on his face, begins worshiping him. And you probably know the story. He was set free. He was delivered. But you know what I find so interesting? Not Well, two things. One, when the people of the town came, they were angry. <laughs> they were upset. 
<laughs> which is so foolish. But the other thing I find interesting is what they noticed. Two things that they noticed. He was clothed and he was in his right mind. He'd put on a new pair of clothes. Because before he was naked, before he was broken, his identity was the scars that marked his body that told people, man, this guy, this guy's under the influence of something that we don't want to be around, something that we can't control in our flesh. And it showed, the marks of it showed all over his body. I'm thankful today I have, and there's some of you here today, but I have friends who their body marks a life that they used to live, whether it's scars or tattoos, things, even sometimes things of, of yeah, many things. But regardless of those external things, there's a new man that covers them, that makes people around them who used to know them realize, man, you still have the same tattoos maybe, you still have some of the same exterior things, but there's something new about you, something new that you've put on. And some of those things, some of those things you may not be able to cast off, so to speak, but the acts, the works of darkness, the lusts of the flesh, the provision for the flesh, those things we can and we must cast off. We must leave on the wayside where Jesus found us. We must leave them there, not even in the closet, but throw them on the, throw them on the fire, let them burn, and let's put on Christ every day. Because it's not only for our own salvation, for our own joy, but it's because when we do that, when we put on Christ, we're putting on the garment of the anointed one. And so we now step into that same role and ministry of what he came to do. To preach the gospel to the poor. To preach deliverance. I... I want to see those things, the results of the anointing. I don't want to just be proud of my nice, fancy suit and never go out and get it dirty. <laughs> but I also don't want to be stuck in a valley of decision, stuck there in the morning, and end up never going out because I'm just there at the closet trying to decide between two garments. Trying to decide between the old man or putting on Christ. Amen. Can we, just, can we close our eyes for a moment and just talk to the Lord? And Jesus, Father, we want to put on Christ tonight. Jesus, we don't want to make provision for the flesh, for the lust thereof. Father, we know that you have came. Your anointing was given, Jesus, to bring deliverance, to set captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, and to remove the blindness of hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, a willingness to cast off the old garments, to cast off the old man and to put on Christ, to walk in the newness of life, Jesus, to walk in deliverance, to walk in freedom, to walk in liberty. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Timothy, if you can put Romans 13 and 14 back on the screen there. I appreciate this ministry from Brother Hart tonight, receiving many things. And I, I want to keep you here about four more hours to tell you all th that I'm receiving, but I won't do that. But I want to show you this. 
going back to something that Brother Hart said at the beginning, because I felt like the Lord let me see a little bit of what happened in the spirit about a particular thing that went like this. That means over our heads, myself included. One of the things he said at the beginning was deliverance is here. And I agree with that. I believe that completely. But I don't I don't know that we completely understood and and saw coming the deliverance that the Lord would would bring tonight, because if you're like me, when you when you think of deliverance and particularly when you think of deliverance taking place in the house of God like this, you 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 think of if you're like me, you think of the minister going and casting out a devil. That can happen and it has happened and it will happen. But that's not the kind of deliverance that the Lord is talking about tonight. Paul even himself said in Romans 7, who who shall deliver me from this body of sin, body of death? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And that was a rhetorical question that Paul asked because the answer to that is if I'm in this body, my, my deliverance is to get out of this body. Let me say that again. If I'm in this body of death, my deliverance is to get out of this body. You're, the Lord's not going to come in and, and end your life to, to save you necessarily. But he's going to keep you there and keep you in that body and see what can be done for that wretched man or woman that's living in that body. This is the deliverance. Make not provision for the flesh. And that's not me casting a devil out of you or you casting a devil out of me or anybody casting a devil out of anybody. That's you and me making sure that you and me don't get to have our way and do the things to fulfill the lusts thereof. I felt the Lord give me this example. Back when I used to live in the South, we had a Chick-fil-A, more than one, in town. But one, well, actually more than one, were on my way to work, my normal way to work. And that was a provision for the flesh. If you've had Chick-fil-A, and especially Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits in the morning, that is a lust thereof. For yours truly. What did I have to do? If I was going to go that route to work, I was going to have to exercise every bit of Holy Ghost that I had if I didn't want to turn into that drive through and go in there. But you know what? There was another answer a way to not make provision for the flesh, and it was go the other way. Drive down Knight Arnold. You don't know where that is. That's in Memphis. Don't drive down Winchester. There's three of them right there. Take the other way, back way up Poplar, so you don't pass the closest one to work. The answer I learned the answer was not sleep in later so you don't have time to stop at Chick-fil-A because then you're just making more provisions for more flesh, including being late for work and justifying that. I'm telling you, deliverance is in this room tonight. Make not provision for the flesh. Go the other way. For the provision there means forethought. Thinking ahead 
about. So make no forethought for the flesh. Well, if I do my day just, to, just right and I get this little bit of window of time right here, then I can do what I want to do right here. What did I just do? I made forethought to make provision for the flesh. And the instruction here, as Elder Hart said very clearly, it's twofold. Put on the Lord Jesus and, everybody say and, and make no provision for the flesh. We, if we're not careful, we can be professionals at part A. Put on the Lord Jesus, but be very amateurish. That's putting it nicely about part B and not making provision for the flesh. I heard I heard it put this way one time talking about deliverance. You can't cast out flesh. You can cast out a spirit. Through the power of Jesus, that spirit can be gone like that. But you can't do that to flesh. And I wonder, I'm just being honest with you again myself, and if you're like me, oftentimes when I think I just need deliverance, I'm expecting some supernatural, miraculous move of the Holy Ghost that's going to come inside here and remove all the flesh and take it out. If that happens, I got nothing. I'm dead. The body is what's holding up all this stuff. Paul, again, Paul said it. There's one way I get delivered from this body of death, and that is to live no more. Why don't you stand with me? When... believe if I'm getting my scripture references right, it's when those sons of Siva went, tried to cast out the devil, and then uh, you know that story, how it worked out. If I got my scripture reference right, it came out after that, the, the stories re, re, uh, resounded throughout the area and the town, and people started turning over their lives to the Lord, and they would bring books to burn what kind of books spiritual but not godly now there's a big difference in burning a book and putting it on the higher shelf or putting it under the mattress or taking it out to the garage and putting it in a box there's only one way to really, truly get rid of it, and that is destroy. What, did, what were they doing? They were making no more provision for that thing. I know me, and I know my flesh, and my flesh is the next time I hear a spooky story, I'm going to want to look back in this book and figure out what I can learn more about that. So, yeah, I know it's disguised as spiritual, but no, that's an act of making no provision for the flesh. Do you understand that it is our flesh that gets fascinated with the spiritual. It's not a supernatural overpowering work of the devil to get into your life and, and mess up your brain and your understanding so much that you aren't able to know truth from error. No, it starts with the fascination with evil. This is scripture. You look at works of the flesh, not evil spirit stuff, 
works of my flesh is to become fascinated by evil. Well, oh, I, 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 I can justify just curiosity and wanting to learn and, and pursuing knowledge and all that. No, what you're truly doing is opening yourself up to the avenues where the evil spiritual gets in you. But that was not without your participation. That was not without your knowledge. I don't know. I've never heard one time of a story of a child born into circumstances completely beyond their control, raised around all the all the worst ungodly spiritual evil. And that child is is has to become a witch, has to become a warlock. That doesn't work that way. God would not allow that. Do you understand? Now, the, I know if I passed around this microphone, we could hear some amazing stories of things that people in this room observed even in their youth, even in their childhood, from their own households and families, surrounding families. But that's different than, oh, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of the, the spiritual mess that I'm in. Mm -mm. It's a work of the flesh. And just like every other single work of the flesh, I either make provision for it or I don't make provision for it. You're standing and I'm aware of that, but I'm going to give you one example as your elder my friends, my brothers, and my sisters. There's been horror movies around longer than you've been alive. It's a genre. It's an, it's an entertainment industry. It's a, if I'm not careful, it's a fascination. How did that movie make that much money in 1975? Hmm, let me go figure that out. What were they showing that, that long ago? Why, why would I want to know that? Why? Because it's a fascination with evil. I wonder if it had some of this. Maybe they showed a little bit that. Maybe it was some of this and that. What am I, what am I talking about? I'm talking about my flesh and its curiosities giving way to that and then well all I've done is I've opened a door and I think I can just open it and shut it and open it and shut it as much as I want to but that's not the way it works because what happens is when the door is open I am not in control of what's getting in that's why it's called an open door No, it doesn't work that way. Would you pray with me, Lord? I pray that you help us by your grace, Father. Lord, it is you that would deliver us. God, it is you that would help us. Give us grace and give us mercy, Lord. It is you that would give us guidance and direction, Father, to live a pure life and a holy life and a clean life. God, that is not something we can do on our own, but it's something we've got to have your supernatural empowering to do. But it is something you long to offer to us. It is something you long to give us and extend to us, Father, so that we could lay hold on it and live accordingly, so that we could adjust our lives, God, and not make a forethought for fulfilling a lust of the flesh, God. Not make a provision in that regard. Lord, I pray it. I'm going to put on Christ every moment that I can. Lord, I'm going to wake up and put on Jesus. Lord, I'm going to go throughout my day and remind myself to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray as I'm doing that, God, that it would even be by your grace 
and your help, Lord, that I would make no provision for the flesh. God, I pray, give us your wisdom to know, Lord, what adjustments need to be made. Give us your wisdom, Father, to know what changes can be brought into our lives, God, to guard against these things. God, to make a change, to make a turn. Lord, I know what we're talking about is repentance tonight because that's what's needed when I've got to turn away from something. God, when I've got to change my mind, my attitudes, my direction. Lord, I pray it right now in Jesus' name. Every influence that's not of you, God, and everything that's not pleasing to you, I pray, help me, God. Show that to me and give me understanding that I could turn away from that. How, Lord God, to move away from those things. Lord, in your name, I've got to stay yielded to you. I've got to stay submitted to you, Jesus. You're leading in your direction. God, I pray it right now. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I pray it right now in Jesus' name. Let my day be ordered by you. Let it be directed by you, Jesus. Order these steps, O God. Order the time of day, O God. Order it throughout the day, in the evenings, in the midnight hours, God, early in the morning. Let it be ordered by you, I pray. Let it be ordered by you, I pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Brother Timothy, are we still recording? You can stop that because I want to give you one more instruction. <laughs> 